The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Mike Zuzalo is joining with Global Commodity Analytics. And looking at this market, we'll talk about that 1040. We're going to jump in uh folks, first of all, into the soybean market, because you talk about that 1040, Mike, and you really did describe it well. It's a brick wall. It's something we cannot seem to get past. It, it really has been ever since 2016. I mean, that's kind of how I look at the bean market, technically speaking, Susan, is that you had, I think, about three weekly closes um, in late 2016 and early 2017 to be able to get above 1040 on a closing basis. Uh, as far as monthly closes, I only show one monthly close above uh, that 1040 level uh, going back to 2016, uh, late 2015 time period. So you've got a situation where you look at the last two to three years, and it is an extremely strong resistance level. And it's kind of interesting how this market has set up since the major highs were put in um, back in that 13, 14, 15 time period and coming off that 12 uh, drought high. You, you've got really rock-solid resistance at 1040. 940, a dollar lower, seems to be very good long-term support ever since 2015, 2016. And then usually if you take out 940 on a monthly close, you have all the way down to 840 to stop, essentially, as far as major support. There's a little bit of congestion at 920, um, but 840 seems to be a really good number on the longer-term chart. So from a technical standpoint and a fundamental standpoint and for a producer out there i think 849 40 10 40 lines are extremely good and valuable hedge and and producer uh used marketing uh levels lines in the sand so to speak and i think this is where it comes back to today's trade was once again one of those trades where you took the march beans up to 1039 led by the meal uh, meal was up almost three percent at one point then all of a sudden the wheat started to give way and then the corn and then the beans and then the meal and so you're back in that situation with the funds i believe that you really do have to have all cylinders running at this point and running on all eights to be able to break through some of these longer term resistance levels especially in the soybeans because of the fact that we still have a question mark as far as china demand and we still have a question mark as far as brazil's production going up to offset argentina's you know, there's so many factors that are playing into the markets this time of year. And, and you talk about Argentina and South America in general. It has a huge impact on what we're seeing in our numbers, especially on the soybeans as of late. It does. And I, I would say to you that one other thing that I think a lot of farmers, that it resonates with them and a lot of producers I work with, it resonates with them during this time period that corn's kind of been left at the door or standing at the altar and jilted, so to speak, with the with the inability to follow the beans up in terms of percentage gains and sharp rally potential when it's actually corn that's probably being damaged the most in Argentina. And I would argue it is not being offset by production increases in Brazil as much as soybeans, especially that second crop corn that has to get planted during this month and early next month. And I think this is where, to me, if I take a step back and think of the next four to five months, I really feel a lot better about corn on the long term 
in terms of upside potential and less downside potential than I do the soy complex. So the 2018 marketing plan that I continue to administer and recommend to clients and subscribers is, look, let's, let's do our business, make our profit in the soybeans, and if we're, quote, wrong by locking in that profit in the soybeans and locking in close to $600 an acre or $550 an acre, and you have an unbelievably good base price for crop insurance that you're, you know, working on right now as we go into the second half of February. Uh, if we're wrong by hedging here for profit, then we should be able to make that up in the corn because the beans have more upside and they can get through that 1040. My bet is the analysis would point to me, uh, in my opinion anyway, the analysis I've done would point to the idea that it's going to be corn and wheat that does that for the soy complex. And you perched some ears uh, of producers knowing that that 1040 wall is there and that there is the potential to surpass it. Yeah, and I was keeping count today, and I think it's good because uh, of, of I had a very busy day today on the phones, busier than normal, and it was mainly because about 90% of the producer clients that I've been talking to today have been wanting to finish up their sales in 2017 beans. So I would bet that you're going to hear a lot of um, Chicago talk today and tomorrow morning about a lot of producer-related selling, and I think that's good. You always want to, when you're profitable, I think almost always want to get it out of the farmer's hands and into the market's hands, into the commercial's hands, because then you can set up that next big rally. And I think this is a necessary predicate or uh, pre-type of thing to set up with the soybeans, in other, in other words, to try and get up above that 1040. We really do have a lot of U.S. beans that need to be a bit out of the hands of the U.S. producer. We have a lot of Brazilian and Argentine beans also from last year that need to bid out, be bid out as well. Well, it just seems that the producer selling has been on the quieter side the last couple of weeks. It has, and I think it's because the producers realize that they need everything they can get right now because 2015, 2016, and 2017 have been really tough years. And if you look at the annual closes in corn, after 2017, we had five straight years of lower corn prices on an annual basis for uh, the, the uh, December contract, and I think this is where it goes back to. I went all the way back to the early 1970s to try and find five years in a row where we've had lower prices in corn. I cannot find that. So I think you're you're really at a point where if you're a producer, you really got to get all you can out of it. And I think one of the things that maybe needs to be talked about more in, in the analytical side from people like me is, okay, let's start talking about the cash versus the futures. Let's start talking about the basis at this stage of the game because if we're going to go up again in the in terms of the upside potential in the soybeans if it is indeed led by the wheat and the corn i would guess it's going to be mostly a futures led market and that would that would kind of indicate to me that you don't want to be too long in the bin you i'd rather be long on the paper product as opposed to in the bin because then i can take the basis uh, out of the equation which i think that's going to be a bigger and bigger feature as we get into spring some good advice. Stick around, folks. We're going to dive more into the grains and the livestock on the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Mike Zuzalo is joining us. Let's talk a little bit of weather before we jump into the livestock, Mike, because it looks like areas of Argentina completely missed the rain that they were being talked about getting. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get a, a change in the pattern based upon the main private forecaster I use who's been doing a very good job here the last couple months, um, I think the, the mindset is that both weather models, the European and the GFS American, are lining up very nicely right now, Susan, with the idea that there's going to be some light showers in the areas that we need rains, but 
between the heat and the amount of coverage, you're probably not going to bring this crop back around to where you can salvage the production. And there are people in the trade thinking that 48 million tons is now a top-end bean production number for Argentina. That compares with USDA's number of 54 million tons and the Buenos Aires Grains Exchange coming out the same day as the USDA report of 50 million tons. This is where the beans are a little bit harder to, in my opinion, feed the bull um, versus the corn because we've done a lot of trimming of Argentine production and sources down in Brazil would suggest that USDA's Brazil production of 112 is way too low and it's closer to 114 maybe 115 so at the end of the day USDA gave us 166 million tons of bean production for both countries just two weeks ago the trade's probably already down to the 162 to 163 level if I had to guess and and prices would suggest that too based upon some of the research I've done and so you aren't at this point losing more bushels out of Argentina because you're gaining them back in Brazil. I don't think the same can be said for corn, though, because USDA is at 134 tons, 134 million tons for both Brazil Argentine corn crop, and I think you're probably going to be end up being closer to 128 and a half to 130. But I don't think the trades really cut the corn crop that much at all. Maybe they're down around 132, 133, but nothing like. Um, anticipating a drop in the beans uh, like they are in the beans. Nothing like that in the corn right now. So I think what, the way I see this market laying laying out maybe in the next two to three weeks is we get the pullback in the wheat, we test technical support, we come back and break dormancy and realize that the wheat crop is not going to be very good. Then all of a sudden we get a second rally in the wheat and that gives the corn the ability to play catch up with the beans. Then you can start talking about higher highs in my opinion. Jump over to the livestock, and as we used to say, this will age us. Hold the phone. We got some positive numbers in the hog market. Yeah, and you know what surprised me was that last week's production came in at about 510 million pounds. Um, that was below the prior week, and that was only about 2% above a year ago for this time period. And so we came in at about 2.384 million head of hogs, and with Weight's no bigger than two pounds on a dress level in the in the hog complex. And with this new winter storm coming out, the charts would suggest right now, and I would say you need follow through Tuesday, or excuse me, Wednesday and Thursday, but the charts would suggest right now you may have put a double bottom in on the April contract, which is now lead month. So you may have a technical bottom in the hogs. And that may be supported by some of these near-term fundamentals. And I, I would say one of the things that really helps the hogs here, and we've talked about this a lot on midday with Dewey and you, uh, is you know you've got to get the cattle market help in terms of when you get up to 130 on fat cattle, and you get these box beef prices where they're at right now. That really does a lot to help the hog complex. And so I think you've got some necessary ingredients after hitting 68 bucks in the hogs and after having corrected almost $10, I think you may have a decent, more balanced market here. So I'm actually looking at maybe pulling hedges by the end of this week. Can we see cash pickup earlier this week, as in tomorrow or Thursday on the cattle, or was it going to be a push back to Friday again? No, I think you're going to stay firm with the weather. I think that the issue with the uh, hog market is the packers are going to run over into the cattle market and, and probably change the shackle 
and change and change their mindset as far as wanting to kill more pork for better margins, they're probably going to have to live off the beef until the weather clears up in, in the main hog areas. Whenever Iowa and southern Minnesota get a really big storm, uh, I tend to think that that helps this uh, hog market quite a bit, which in turn helps the cash cattle market uh, bring the bids up in terms of uh, what packers are willing to pay. Anything else market-wise that we need to keep an eye on for the rest of this trading week? You know, I think the biggest thing to watch from an outside market perspective, Susan, is the dollar and our trade deficit and the interest rates. One of the things that that could really shortchange us and, and stall out this commodity turnaround in the ag sector especially is if interest rates get too much higher than they are right now, we're probably going to start to see the dollar react and, and rally against some of the big currencies that buy our products. I, this is a big feature. It may not be a big feature in February and March, but I think in May, June, it'll be an issue that we'll have to contend with. So keep that in your mind when you're talking about selling for profit. More information, Mike, what's the best way to reach you? Go to globalanalytics.biz. Sign up for a, a two-week trial. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell on the World Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.